the most exciting season since 2016. Before we get into this video, just want to say thank you to the sponsor for today's video slash podcast, my Patreons. Shout out to you guys. You guys can feel free to support any of my content that I put out. Early podcast episodes, exclusive Warriors content and coverage. Please check out the Patreon. My lowest tier is $3. Anything helps support the content that I put out. Thank you. But to be honest, I, I don't feel like that's too crazy. Like, I mean, after 2016, well, really 2015, 16, it was the Warriors. And then, I mean, Super Team, which most people say they hate it. Ratings are contrary to that. The ratings were the best when there's a dynasty. But, you know, OK. But in terms of the competition, I think this is going to be the most fun year because we got the Eastern Conference. We got the Western Conference. To me, they're not quite even because the West is going to be a fucking bloodbath. Let's be clear. The West is going to be a bloodbath. But I feel like the East has actually gotten a lot stronger. Contrary to what a lot of LeBrons have tried, fans have tried to tell me over the years. Um, the East was not very strong the years LeBron was there or even the couple years after he left. But. I do feel like this year is really that year. So I'm going to start off with the West, right? So I'm going to start off with my Warriors because they're the team I'm the most familiar with. And oh my God, where do I start? I mean, obviously we won the championship, which was like the best possible outcome we could have had because Wiseman, we were really depending on Wiseman. The front office was really depending on Wiseman this year uh, or this past year and uh unfortunately he had to get a cleanup surgery on his meniscus i believe around december and it was funny the team actually tried to hide that um but we did end up finding out around the time clay came back because he was supposed to come back before clay but he ended up staying out he came back for a little g-league stint which I did watch those games. Y'all check out Athletic Alchemy, his Patreon. He did a breakdown of all those games. So I was able to actually like watch the film on him. Um, and I saw some significant improvements already in terms of his hands, which I've heard people complain about Wiseman's hands not being very good. Look, the dude, <laughs> he's an athletic freak, right? He barely played any college games. So... I mean, he played like three college games. We have to keep that in perspective. And he wasn't as strong as he is now. So I don't know how much of that was, you know, him just needed to get better hand strength because I don't know how many of you guys are aware, but you can increase your hand strength with certain exercises. So if you weren't playing high level basketball, I could definitely see how his athletic gifts allowed him to kind of get away with not having the best hands. And when you're in the NBA level, Things are moving like way faster. So I give him a pass on that. Uh, the ruling is still out. However, from the G League games from last season, plus what I've seen preseason, to me, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. It looks like for Wiseman, um, he's 
catching on pretty fast so far we'll see as the season starts but um for those of you that don't know i am a huge wiseman fan i've been a fan of him since he first got in the league been a fan of him since he was injured and i do want people to keep this in mind wiseman was not able to get any training time aside from rehab since his rookie year until this past like year in off season so every time he was out he had an injury i don't know how many of you remember but in his first season he dealt with covid he dealt with the injury in the middle of the season so things weren't like ideal for him plus since a lot of you guys may or may not be warriors fans i'll just give you a little context for the record right so from my perspective watching all of those games that Wiseman played i don't feel like the warriors and steve kerr utilized him right for two reasons one steve kerr and the coaching staff were not great at development i mean just look at when they came into the team in that situation with having veterans who were older than steph clay and dre and then having steph clay and dre who were already in the league for a few years at that time you know they didn't have to go through developing as much as having james wiseman a number two pick and you could tell because the way they were trying to use wiseman in my opinion was horrible because they were trying to make wiseman kind of play like a warriors traditional big and if you look at all the bigs the warriors have had during this run most of them have been slower unathletic think andrew bogate think oh my god jonas jarepko this is no shade to jonas jarepko but the one person i want people to keep in mind when looking at wiseman right think javel mcgee that's literally all the warriors need wiseman to be we're not talking about wiseman being realizing his full potential in one season because when people call him a bust i feel like that's what they're getting towards like oh he's not gonna be this or that well first of all centers take the longest to develop out of everyone in the first place so i would say he needs a lot of time one <laughs> and then two if he has a way more simplified role i see no reason why he can't do that that's why i said think javel mcgee because when javel mcgee was on the warriors that was the only time during this run that the warriors have had a legitimate vertical floor spacer with steph curry and remember how how op and unfair people were calling javel mcgee for playing in burst that's all i'm saying bro javel has asthma so he couldn't play long stints that's one thing wiseman will have so if you're telling me james wiseman cannot be javel mcgee in this warriors offense then just let me know right now just let me know in the comments because in my opinion that is all the words need for him in order to really take this offense to another level because last year we got through the playoffs with barely having any bigs so james wiseman javel mcgee that's all the words need him to be defend pretty well and rebound so for me i'm going to evaluating what's wiseman's defense looking like i know he can score offensively he was he almost averaged a double double his first season while barely knowing how to play basketball and playing with kelly Oubre and brad wanamaker was he even there that season look it's been so many people and now all i know is he wasn't playing with the like best version of the team part of the time when he was playing 
So imagine he's playing with way better players and he's not going to be required to do as much. So maybe I think some people out there who are doubting Wiseman, I understand it. I think that's completely fair because he hasn't played that long. However, I believe that with him having a simplified role, the Warriors having a revamped development staff. Oh, yeah. And for those that don't know, the Warriors acquired Jokic, Nikola Jokic, yeah, the, the, the MVP. Yeah, him. They acquired his coach from Serbia. And um, he's on the Warriors coaching staff now. Kavon Looney, I know y'all saw that man in the playoffs. Loon Dog, you the man. I love you, Loon. Like, I know people don't give you your credit for just being the beast in the peace in the offense that you are in the defense, bro. Great season last season. That's a little side note, okay? But look, so Looney credited uh this big man coach, and forgive me for forgetting his name. I've been saying his name all summer, trying to give this man his credit. So Looney credited him with having a huge help in terms of helping his game offensively and defensively. So in my opinion, we've had wise men working with him this past like this past year, pretty much since we had him on the coaching staff. So I see no reason why if Looney improved, Wiseman can improve as well with having him. So the Warriors development staff is also a huge part of the reason why I feel like we will have a lot of success developing a lot of these younger guys. So I'm going to transition into the other young guys. That's my spill on Wiseman to conclude my point on Wiseman. This 2022-23 season is the Wiseman Revenge Tour year. Like, he's coming for all y'all. 2022-23, Wiseman Revenge Tour this season. I'm gonna need all of y'all to get your apology forms ready, okay? All of y'all that had what had to say what y'all had to say about Wiseman, look, all I'm saying is, I wouldn't doubt against him. In this offense, I, I just wouldn't do it. Me personally, me personally, I would not bet against his development. So, all of y'all that don't think he's going to do well, thinks, he, thinks he's going to be a buzz, please at me on Twitter at AppleJuiceGang7. Please leave a comment, whatever. Just let me know so I can get my receipts. Because I done already been keeping receipts for people from years, for the past, like, two, three years. So, just let me know, okay? Got you. Okay, so moving on to the younger Warriors. And it's crazy because... We don't even mention Steph at the at this point. Like it's just like Steph is just Steph, and everyone just kind of understands that. What do I need to say? We're gonna go to the young guys. So young guys, obviously, gotta start with Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, JP three. I'm not calling him no fucking Kid Splash. I don't know who came up with that horrible name. I'm not calling him Kid Splash. We're not making that a thing. It's pool party, okay? On to pool party. Y'all saw him in the playoffs. Y'all saw him. I just saw a, I just saw a, 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 a like a, a tweet the other day that was like some stat on him. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. But just based on what we saw, what I saw, um, I didn't know what to expect from him going into the playoffs because obviously it's his first playoff berth. Let's see if I can find the tweet, y'all. I didn't know what to expect from him, to be honest. And I think that's okay, like, from a guy who's never been to playoffs. However, going off of what I saw before this playoffs in the play-in, I know some people are going to say it doesn't matter, but, you know, while we were going down and Steph was, like, shooting 
until <laughs> we couldn't shoot no more trying to keep us in the game while Draymond was choking. Uh, Jordan Poole was there hitting clutch threes. He was there, right? Like, I don't know how many of y'all remember that, but I remember seeing, I was like, damn, Jordan got that dog in him. He got that dog, that, that thing you can't teach, the je ne sais quoi, as they say in French. Um, it's really something special to him because you could tell he wasn't afraid of the moment. That's one thing that you can't always get. And he was composed. He was relatively composed. Um, but as I saw him in the Nugget series, starting for Steph, um, the last about 25 games, he was pretty, pretty good. I mean, I think it was about a 50% win percentage. I'm not sure. Someone can let me know in the comments, but what I saw from him, those games, Steph was out at the end of the year last year, was just the ability to step up and really lead and take hold of the moment because the expectation wasn't just JP go out there and have some pretty handles and score the ball. It was JP, like, you got to lead this team. You got to get your teammates the ball. And I saw that from him. I wasn't sure how quickly his playmaking would develop because from my perspective, he was struggling a little bit between balance and the scoring and playmaking, but I saw that ability and I was like, okay, well, if he can just get some more reps in, this could be really nice for Steph to have someone else to um, handle the ball and create his own shot. That's not something that the Warriors have ever had with Steph, someone else that can cr create their own shot off the dribble and playmake. Yeah, like, so the last few games, I believe he averaged like, 25 5 and 5 on like almost 50 40 90 it was some crazy stat line that was like Steph-esque and at that moment I was like okay you know what going into the playoffs I think he can do it um everyone's not able to fit into a winning offense because what I think some people get confused is what looks nice versus what it takes to win and I think the Warriors put a huge emphasis on that my only concern was the defense and we definitely saw that in the later rounds um but to start for the nugget series he was pretty damn good and stepped up huge i mean he definitely set some records i'll see if i can go find those flash them on the screen perhaps if not i'll just like put a little comment of what the stats were but then going on to the grizzly series he really kept us in that shit like draymond on the court our office was looking fucking atrocious and what's unfortunate is the way Draymond has carried himself the way Draymond has carried himself you would think that he is like Teflon you would think he's really him like and I don't know how else to put it to be honest Draymond walks around and talks like he's Steph that's the best way I can put it so when you're over here not getting guarded, right, and you're playing kind of arrogant on defense, and then you are, your offensive skill set isn't to the point where you can really have that arrogance or make those mistakes anymore. You saw that in the Grizzly series. There were multiple, I mean, he had like crazy amount of turnovers in that series, and that was due to his lack of athleticism as well as really just no one guarding him bro was literally traffic cop dre as people like to say planning two feet standing in the middle of the court clogging the lane and having his dude sagging off him and guarding steph or jordan Poole. 
I just think it was unacceptable personally because I'm like, if you're going to be walking around talking how you're talking, you can't be making the game harder for your teammates. Like, and that's why I think Wiggins is extremely important. And as for my expectations for Jordan Poole to close that out, sorry, y'all, my timer. As for my expectations for Jordan Poole to close it out, um, he had a great playoffs because to me, he was able to be efficient. You saw him physically get roughed up, but for me, I was like, okay, is he going to be able to adjust to this physicality? Because if he can do this, he can do anything. It's one thing to score. It's another to be able to stay on the court. It's another thing to be good enough defensively to not cost your team. You saw that in the Celtics game. Forget which game it was, but we were up going into the fourth quarter and then the Celtics scored on Jordan Poole like three, four, five times in a row and he had to get pulled out. But the thing is, he adjusted and was able to make good enough defensive adjustments to stay on the court. That's not something to take for granted or take lightly. So going into the summer, I asked his trainer, um, I talked to him in spaces. I said, hey, um, is Jordan going to bulk up? Because that's where I think a lot of improvement defensively will come from just him being stronger because I saw him get knocked down <laughs> a lot. But you could tell the defensive principles were there and they were getting a little bit better. And I'm like, bro, if he can get better defensively, they're not going to be able to play him off the court. And that's going to be even more nasty. And as you can see, he's gained about 10 to 15 pounds over the summer. He's stronger. I'm sure he'll get even bigger and stronger. And I'm excited to see what he does defensively. That's what I'm personally looking for from him defensively. I think he will take another step offensively. That's easy. Um, and as me and his trainer talked about, he said he was going to add on to that handle he had. And that in and out, yeah. Y'all are going to see that in and out look even more disgusting. <laughs> Maybe I can get his trainer on here one day to ask him some questions about uh, his technique with the handle. But I think his shooting will also like tr improve tremendously because he'll be so much more efficient with his shots. And I think we've seen that in the preseason already. So I'm going to obviously talk about the Draymond situation next because this ties in to the young guys to Wiggins to Draymond to Jordan Poole because as you guys saw the other day the Warriors not only signed Jordan Poole to a four-year 140 million dollar extension we're just gonna clap it up for that knew that extension was coming he's underpaid already by the way but not only that the Warriors came back and signed Wiggins to an extension. I'm not going to lie. I was not prepared for that. I was literally talking to some other Warriors fans in Twitter spaces. Y'all follow me at AppleJuiceGang7. I do host spaces at times. Um, but yeah, we were, t we were literally talking about Jordan Poole's extension. And then we got the notification from Woj that Wiggins got the extension. Let me read you guys off the extension right quick. So when I saw that, literally my immediate reaction was Draymond's cooked. Draymond's cooked. I'm not sorry because in my opinion, Draymond has already been pushing it for a good little minute. And to be honest, I'm going to keep it real because I've been trying to keep it cute for a minute. It all started with clutch. I'm going to just say it. 
I'ma just say it, okay? It started with Clutch, man. After he signed with Clutch in 2017, he started acting different. Now look, let me preface it by saying, because some of you guys don't know me, I don't have a problem with LeBron. I don't have a problem with the fact that he signed with Clutch. I just have a problem with the fact that he started moving a little different in terms of his teammates and the things that he did on the team after Clutch. Let me give you all some examples. So we have the KD incident. I could go before this, but I'm not going to count 2016. I'm not going to count that. We'll say KD. Okay. I, I was actually a person that said I understood why Draymond said, oh, you're a bitch. We know you're a bitch. We don't need you. I didn't like it. But I said, you know what? I understand where it comes from because the core of it was probably about Katie not being committed to the team. So I was like, okay, you know what? I get it. I respect it. But in hindsight, it's like you put the team in such a difficult predicament because it's like everyone can know something. That doesn't mean it should be said, though. Everything does not need to be said. And for me, Draymond is the type of person where it's like, if things aren't going his way, he's willing to take everybody down with him. Because to be honest, like Draymond said at the time, if the Warriors wanted to choose KD over him, then he would have been gone. And that brings me back to this Jordan Poole situation. I feel like it's not completely the same, but the one similarity between the two, in my opinion, is the fact that basically at the core of it, Draymond feels as if the Warriors front office and management ownership group is prioritizing another player over him now let me be very nuanced with this and very fair so in my opinion i understand if that's how dre feels i understand that if you don't know me i'm a very pro worker person in my opinion these nba players don't get paid enough i know someone's crying about them being millionaires right now but when you consider how much revenue is generated it's actually kind of crazy shout out to my guy the rock never stops y'all go check out his youtube channel we were talking in spaces the other day and i might be able to pull this clip up we were talking in spaces the other day about uh a few years ago how someone did an investigation of the nba teams and found that they were actually writing off some revenue as losses or something like that and they had to redistribute the money which is how we got the cap spikes from a few years ago starting i think the first year might have been the year katie joined the warriors because they had to redistribute that money over a, over a few years or five years or something like that someone please correct me with the correct details if you know the specifics but i'm just giving you a rough idea of about what happened so basically um they had to redistribute the money that teams were not accounting for and redistribute it to the players with the cap spike over the past few years and they've slowly added on to the cap every year because of that money so that's one example that is factual about teams making more money than they're saying they're making right and not paying the players what they deserve to be paid so then another example i could say for the warriors specifically for draymond I could see how if you help contribute to the value of a franchise going from 
450 million to say over 5 billion over 5.5 billion yeah i'm gonna feel like i deserve whatever amount i can get because first of all for reference joe lakeup and peter goober bought the warriors for 400 million 450 million dollars in 2010 a year after steph curry was drafted coincidence no okay so cool as of right now the warriors are a top 10 to top 5 most valuable franchise in the entire world the entire world like that's over a 10x increase in the value of the franchise so think about it if you're steph clay or dre you were main contributors to the value of this brand this dynasty increasing chase center is uh one of the biggest parts of their valuation right now because it's worth over a billion dollars chase center doesn't get built one without steph curry two without clay and draymond so if you're them and the value of the franchise goes up that much you're probably gonna feel like yeah run me my money so in that sense i understand why dre maybe wants a max contract but let me give a counter although i understand that at the same time as a fan i know the front office is not about to pay this minimum max they're not so i already prepared myself in the summer i say you know what draymond wasn't max okay he's not getting it so let's see what amount they can negotiate to maybe get him but he's gonna have to be on his best behavior that's what i said going into this summer before this season because i'm like he has to have like a great season and he has to be on his best behavior he can't do all the antic shit which if you listen to his podcast in the summer you might have heard him say something along the lines of his mother and his wife were telling him in the finals hey you know stop the antics blah 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 and you know maybe i can find this clip maybe i can find it if i can find it i will insert it here from his podcast his mom and wife were telling him hey chill out with the antics etc cetera, etc cetera. fans were saying it people around the nba world were saying it draymond you're doing too much and not enough on the court so he has a bad performance the next game and then i hear him on the podcast say yeah i gotta stop listening to people you know i just gotta be me i can't lose my edge no one wants you to lose your edge draymond no one wants you to to play or behave in a way that's detrimental to the team but what he said was paraphrasing here y'all what he said was something along the lines of you know i have to be this way i have to have the antics because if i don't then i'm gonna be a shell of myself so we'll see if we can find that clip but that's basically what he was indicating in that podcast and to me that was concerning because i'm like oh okay i get dre being dre but if he can only be dre with antics i don't know if i want that because for one it's not a good example for our young guys and two if you can't be effective without the antics that sounds like you might be on the decline i don't hey but look i was coming into this season with the open mind saying you know what I don't think Draymond can get that much better offensively, but I think he can put together a good season. And I think he's going to be on his best behavior. And then just like the rest of y'all, I was extremely shocked to see he punched Jordan Poole. Because I'm just like, there's no fucking way. 
there's no way there's no way this man punched her in the pool i'm like what could he have possibly done said whatever to deserve to get punched and for me before all the details came out i'm just like let's just use deductive reasoning okay when this story came out draymond put a message or contacted chris haynes who's an nba reporter quote unquote old media here mind you mind you this is old media draymond claims he's new media but he contacts old media red flag number one and puts out the message that something along the lines of and i think this was the main narrative that got out there the first day the news came out jordan Poole's attitude was changing due to the looming contract extension he had coming and he needed to be checked so when i saw that i said all right <clears throat> what's more likely jordan pulled switching up and changing when he's always been a confident dude he's always talked to shit from when he was like getting sent to the fucking g league right shit talking to damian lillard we could probably insert that clip here too you know like did he change or hmm did draymond change did draymond start feeling some type of way hmm well we're using deductive reasoning and going based off previous history which one of them has a history of uh you know having issues with teammates with contracts <laughs> you know it's draymond it's draymond it's really that simple and that was my logic but even I had some people argue with me that, hey, oh, maybe Jordan Poole said something, this thing or another. And, you know, if you step up to a man, then you should be prepared to fight, blah, blah, blah. That's all I'm hearing. And then we get the video. Then we get the video coming out. And then it's crickets. There were a few people who were still trying to say, oh, well, you know, if Jordan pushed him, then he should have put his hands up. Yeah, maybe he should have but maybe he's not like that maybe he's not expecting his brother his big bro to knock him the fuck out maybe is it just me i'm just saying like maybe he's just like hey just get out my space bro i mean me personally i wouldn't really be expecting my big bro to like try to knock me the fuck out that's just me though and no one's saying that he shouldn't be prepared or brace himself. Look, he learned that lesson now. But the more important thing to focus on is why the fuck, as a leader, are you hitting one of the young guys? The future of the franchise. And to me, for Draymond to come out and say, oh, it had nothing to do with money. I don't count people's pockets. It's like, really? <laughs> do you think we're stupid I, I mean like this is what i say either you're dumb or you think i'm dumb and i'm not dumb so i don't know who draymond was fooling maybe you know that doesn't mean you were like consciously thinking about the contract as you did it nah that means that you might have been feeling some type of way that his extension was coming up in yours it's kind of in the air and depending on your performance we get it you helped build the dynasty. But guess what? I didn't forget that season in 2020 when Steph and Clay were not there and you were literally getting yourself ejected from games. Draymond, I did not forget that shit, right? And for the people that doubted that, 
nope, it's not a problem to doubt that. It's not a problem. I watch all those games that 15-win season. No problem. Go to JJ Reddick's podcast from last year, from the beginning of last year when Draymond was first on there. Not the one from the summer. Go to the one before that. He was literally talking about how hard it was for him to get out of bed, how he just couldn't. You know, he couldn't do it because he wasn't up. He wasn't winning championships, y'all. So it was hard for him to play the bad teams. Your job was literally to help develop the young guys. And you fucking quit on them. I didn't forget that shit. I watched all those games. We had Eric Pascal. We had Kai Bowman. Jordan Poole barely knowing what the fuck to do out there. You gave up on them. How can I look at you as a leader when you couldn't even bring yourself, humble yourself enough to realize, hey, I need to be here to develop these guys. I need to tee up as the leader of the team. You know what? How about get this, y'all? Crazy idea. I know. Crazy idea. Imagine. Get this. If Draymond would have said, you know what? Okay. We got step out. We got clay out. We got it. We got a year. We got young guys. Okay, no championship. But you know what? That 2019 finals, I was getting cooked. He knew that. I can't have that happen. You know what? That 2019 finals, I wasn't able to score enough to help Steph. So let me take this time to not be out with the injury, to not get myself ejected from games. Get this. What if I just, I don't know, worked on my game? Ah, oh my God, crazy idea. I know y'all, look, I'm just saying, if Draymond was actually about that, right? If he was really like that, like if he was really him, the way he'd be walking around talking, he would have took that to put his head, took that time to put his head down and work on his offensive game so that when Steph and Clay came back, he could be OP, but no, that's not Draymond, y'all. That's not Dre. Draymond got too comfortable. That's my conclusion. The difference between the people at the top of the top versus everybody else, some people hit their peak and that's good enough for them. Other people want to go beyond that. They want to have a consistent level of excellence and continue to strive higher and lead by example, a la Steph Curry, my GOAT, right? That's the thing that makes people respect him, not punching someone in the face, his work ethic, him not holding anyone else to a standard that he's not going to hold himself to. That's what keeps him at that level, not punching a teammate, not belittling somebody, not feeling like you got to check somebody. That's not what gets him the respect that he gets from his peers, barely. (laughs) And the people in his team, the people in the organization, because he's going to put the team before himself, first and foremost. And he's not going to expect anything of anyone that he wouldn't expect of himself. And Draymond, you were not a leader. You have not led by example. You were trying to hold other people to standards that you don't hold yourself to, which is exactly why you're going to lose respect aside from hitting somebody. You can't even control yourself. Let's not even bring up the bar incident in Michigan from 2016 where you where you slapped or knocked out, allegedly, because I don't know if the court case got settled or not, a, a Michigan State University football player, and you told him, bumped into him, 
asked his friend, oh, and who is he? And then proceeded to slap this man so hard that cops who weren't even paying attention heard, heard you. And the crowd dispersed in front of this man's girlfriend and then looked the man's girlfriend up and down and smirked at her. This is the same person. So no, I'm not trying to hear anything about, oh, Draymond this, Draymond that. Look, he's gotten his chance. If I was ignorant to information before about his character off the court, I am privy to it now. So at this point, there's no going back for me. There's no excuse. This is a pattern. This is who he is. It's okay to have hope for somebody to get better. And that's exactly why I think Steph has stood by him so long. But at this point, I feel like he's taking advantage of Steph and his kindness and him standing by him. Which is something personally I can't I can't stand for that, especially when you work with Clutch. Go over there with LeBron. Go over there with Clutch and them. Okay, you got it. Get your business venture on. Just don't try to drag my team down with you. That's all I'm saying. The moment that shit happens, y'all can just trade him. I don't care. Get rid of him because if he starts to try to sabotage a team, I'm not saying he will or won't. But I'm saying if he gets to that point. Y'all can just pack him up and get him out of here because we're trying to win a championship. Now, to conclude on the Draymond part, I do think he can have a great season. I don't think he's going to get an extension. I don't think he can really repair the trust at this point. Oh, yeah, and then he tried to fight Steve in 2016 and OKC. Okay, I forgot about that, too. Yeah, how'd I forget? <laughs> but at this point, I don't think there's really any going back. I do think he could still stay there extra year, but I always remember hearing this saying it's better to get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late and personally i think hold him next year is a year too late now possible replacements for dre i have no fucking idea as long as the warriors can get a replacement for him i think it's okay um or like not a replacement for him because you can't replace dre like he's literally one of the greatest defenders of all time i would prefer to still have him here this season but in terms of like just getting somewhat equal value in terms of assets so we could flip that or something but to be honest this team is an embarrassment of riches and on that note i'm gonna move on to andrew freaking wiggins yes let's put some respect on that man's name let's put some respect on his name i saw that man get traded to my team and i said defense i said defense he got the tools he's been in a bad environment and i was to be honest i was actually shocked to see some people in the media say it was a bad tra trade, <laughs> Nick Nick Wright or Nick Wrong. I don't know what y'all call him these days, but that was a wild ass take, boy. That was a wild ass take, Nick. Um, but as you can see, it definitely paid off for the Warriors. Um, and to be honest, like <laughs> I was like more than impressed with Wiggins and what he did. I, I mean he performed better than I could have even possibly expected him to like let's be real to be honest it's kind of crazy to imagine he could actually get better this season I don't know how I mean I do know how but it's that's that's how hard it is to think because he was literally the second best player on the team in the playoffs y'all second best player on the team that is not easy to do on a championship team that's not a given Wiggins did that shit so for me I mean I'm pretty much expecting the same thing I do think in the season he's going to be kind of on cruise control 
and just really do whatever the team needs him to do. That's the thing about Wiggins that to me makes him so invaluable. The fact that he's able to do whatever you need him to do with no complaints. How often are you getting a all NBA level defender? One. And then two, on top of that, he's somebody who will literally do whatever it takes to win without having an ego or attitude with it. For the wings who you can name in the league, who can defend and score 20 points per game, 20 plus, because he could have easily scored 25, right? For those wings in the league, most of them have like a huge ego or like, even if it's not an ego, it's like, they need to be the main star in the offense. That is to me what makes Wiggins so extremely invaluable because in my opinion, I just kind of feel like there's not really a better wing for the Warriors because the fit and the culture, buying into the culture are more important than the skill. If you're a Warriors fan, you know over the years, we passed up on so many guys who were legitimately good, but they didn't fit the Warriors culture and sometimes as a fan I'd be like damn Warriors why you ain't get him but it's like I know the culture is the most important thing because if you don't fit into the culture of it being team first right and know that you're gonna get yours at some point then it doesn't really matter and that's kind of where I'm at with it like like this shit is really a blur for me I it's hard to even remember all the shit that he did because the one thing I was looking for for Wiggins, people always talked about his motor. He had a motor, but when you're in a losing situation, it's a little hard to be motivated. It, it legitimately is. I don't know how many guys are competitive or have played sports or been in a workplace or anything like that, but morale is a huge thing. It's not just a word. Um, how motivated and encouraged you are to participate and do your best is extremely important. And if the ownership isn't really behind it or you're not on a trajectory to win it can it can make you look like how Wiggins looked quote unquote I don't think he looked bad personally I just think people compared him to Michael Jordan and LeBron James <laughs> kind of like fucked up people's per perception on like what he should have been but to me being the second best player on the championship team and being able to guard the best player on every team that is like what the most you could expect from really any like number one two whatever top pick because he did whatever he was able to i think the most important thing i was impressed with was i had a question going into the playoffs i know we get to score i know we can defend but will he be able to turn it on figuratively turn it on and score or take over when the offense was slowing down without anyone having to call his number, would he be able to call his own number? That was my question. And he answered that. The answer was, hell yeah. <laughs> there was a few times um, across multiple series where Steph, you know, he trying to carry, but no one's coming along. Or Jordan Poole's, you know, carrying the scoring load. Draymond's bogging the offense down. Uh, or Draymond's missing missing just i mean i'm sorry i i, I just get kind of sad thinking about it i'm sorry y'all 
because <laughs> it's not peak Draymond no more. But you know, Draymond having lapses on defense, um, him covering it up, him and Looney covering it up, you know, that was the most important impressive part to me because he had a feel for the moment. And I think the turning point, and I think most Warriors fans can agree with this. When he had that dunk one on Brandon Clark, that was a huge moment because you felt the energy and you saw him me mug him. And I remember that shit gave me chills. I was like, yeah, Wiggins, like, yeah, you really like that. Like, yeah, this is the dog that we've been wanting to see, like, coming out of you. So then he had another dunk on Luca, which I think more people might remember that one. But when I saw that, I was like, yeah. Wiggins got it. Wiggins got it. And then he turned up even more in the Celtics series. So, you know, I think he's going to have an all defense selection coming around this season, potentially another all star. I don't see why not. Um, and to be honest, I'm excited to see him more in like a veteran role this year. Um, I definitely think he learned a lot from last season. And I'm excited to see him just be a veteran and kind of coach up Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody like just pass on some wisdom and still at the same time learn soak up as much knowledge as he can from Andre Iguodala so that's all three of Dre JP Wiggins so to get to some of my other young guys you know I'm gonna just start it off most people will probably start off with Jonathan Kaminga but as some of you may or may not know I am a huge huge Moses Moody advocate I am like the number one Moses Moody fan on the planet. I have been singing this man's praises since like when we first drafted him all season, even when he was getting put on the bench for God knows what reason. Every time the man got put out there, he was cooking. But let me just give y'all some specific points to work with or some things to look at for Moses Moody. I have been doing film study on him. I have my notes. I will be making a Moses Moody video soon. So y'all look out for that on my YouTube channel. Sierra in the bonus y'all go subscribe I will be releasing some video breakdowns um on my patreon as well y'all go subscribe to my patreon um so look Moses Moody all right the man is like <laughs> I'm just so excited about him see y'all I gotta pull up my notes I gotta pull up my notes on him I literally during the middle of the playoffs I was mad because I wasn't seeing him on the court and I was like you know what I'm going to like literally do a video on him one day when I get my editing software. Hold on, let me find it. I took notes on him. I have some very specific points that I want to make about Moses Moody. All right, Moses Moody. Now, it's a combination of interviews and my film study on him and you guys will see a video breakdown on Moses Moody coming soon so y'all subscribe for that so here's my notes on on the guy y'all see this okay I can't show y'all all of it but I took these notes uh, a good minute ago oh <laughs> uh, so I got a few different sections on here we got skills areas for growth and then um and then I do have some notes on Kaminga as well so I'll just give y'all my main my main hitters from both categories. So first, to give y'all a little context about Moses Moody, some of his influences from his mouth: Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Steph Curry. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? 
I, I could see like elements of all of those people's games in his game. So one thing I remember is him just being super excited to learn from Clay Thompson. So I'm sure that's been a cool experience from him. Uh, but one thing that's very notable about Moody, you will hear all of the veterans say Moses Moody is very mature. He's like an old young guy. And that to me is something that is an incredible trait to have in a young guy, especially when you're trying to like get the most out of him and have someone that can actually have the mental the mental fortitude to be on the bench, put in the game, and be able to contribute regardless. Because one thing people are going to talk about with Moses Moody is his shooting. That's obvious, okay? He's a shooter, but I want to talk about some of the things that aren't as obvious in this game. So let's see. I got some skills right here. So some of my favorite elements of his game, and let's let me give you a little context. The lens that I'm looking at this through is from the perspective of what type of skills will be able to keep him on the court in the playoffs? Because to me, that's the that's the biggest deal. But also, what is going to keep him on the court to get minutes in the regular season so that he can showcase what he can do so that he can shine the way that I think he is going to shine? So, let's go. So, some of the main skills... One of the things that always stood out to me with Moody was his ability to rebound. And, you know, keep this in mind. This is a little raw. Um, I am getting into my film study bat so y'all can see some videos and me breaking some of this down. I'll probably get to it today. But I'm super excited, y'all. I love Moses Moody. But, yeah, so the rebounding. I see him have, like, really good positioning for rebounds. So it might not show up in the numbers yet. But I'm I'm looking at ability right now, skill, ability, and p potential when I'm looking at all these different things. So he has good positioning for rebounding, which is not very common for someone like around his age. If I'm not mistaken, he's either 20 or 21. Um, but you know, he played one year at Arkansas, I believe. Um, and the positioning for rebounding to me is extremely important because it's one thing to have the length to rebound. It's another to be able to position yourself in a good way. And I think a great example of this is Steph Curry. And some people are going to laugh because they're casuals. But people who understand the game know that Steph Curry is actually pretty good of a rebounder, especially for his size. And it's not because he's longer or more athletic or can jump over anyone. If you pay attention to Steph on the court, he's actually very good at positioning himself either between another uh between another player or just like literally getting to a great spot on the court to be able to get the rebound because a lot of guys just stand there. A lot of people don't even box out anymore. So Moses Moody, I seen him have that ability. So that's one thing. Another one, I see a lot of potential for the offensive rebounding tying into the first point about the positioning for rebounding because a lot of people, they just try to out jump people. So Getting offensive boards to me is really a great way to tell whether or not someone's good at rebounding or not, because a lot of people can get defensive rebounds, but offensive rebounds are to me the thing that I look at to tell who's really getting that a la Kavon Looney in the Grizzly series. If you go back and look at his stats, if you go back and look at Kavon Looney's stats, you will see that in that Grizzly, I think it was the closeout game versus the Grizzlies or second to last game. You will see that Kavon Looney 
almost he almost out rebounded the entire Grizzlies team for offensive rebounds. Those are the type of things that can win you the damn game. So that's something I'm going to be looking forward to with Moses Moody. Another thing, the shot and pass IQ. So I see a little bit of the ability to potentially be a, a, a secondary playmaker, which I think the Warriors have tried to pull out of him. If you looked at his uh, summer league games, he was torching everyone, by the way. I don't know how many of y'all watched that. He was cooking everybody. But they had him as the primary ball handler at times, which I was very encouraged to see because I saw a little twinkle of that ability to play make but i knew that on the main team he would not be able to really cultivate that skill as much so i was glad to see that and glad to see him mention in a summer interview he did around the time of the summer league he mentioned uh they were asking like what skills he wanted to improve and he was talking about his handles and i was like okay that's great that's one of the areas of growth i had for him was his ball handle because i was like okay he's pretty good at setting up his shot he can play make a little but if he could get that handle a little tighter and get a few more combinations, we could really be cooking with something. He's not going to be Jordan Poole or Steph Curry level, but you don't need him to be that. You literally just need him to have a decent or a good handle. And so far in the preseason, I've seen his handle get a little better, but it's going to take reps. So I'm not too quick to judge on that. That's just something to look out for. Last thing, I just want to point out. I'm sorry, y'all. It's a lot of notes. Last thing I want to point out for skills, or last two, his patience and poise. To me, his ability to be like pretty much even kill on the court, that's something that's going to keep him on the court in the playoffs. And then we can throw on top of it the footwork. Oh, yeah. The footwork on offense and defense. I've already seen a little bit of growth in terms of that um, in the preseason. So I'll be looking out for that more. But defensive footwork to me is what I put emphasis on because you're not going to really expect the rookie to be a great defender. But one of the great things that I noticed was one, his ability to use his length as a defender, which it might sound obvious, but a lot of guys don't know how to use their length properly. Like they will end up fouling people a lot. But what I noticed, the possessions he did play last season in the playoffs preseason, he's good at using his length. He has a 7-2 wingspan, FYI, fun fact for you. And he's able to use that to kind of compensate for his lack of height when he's um, matched up against guys that are bigger than him. We're going to see some more possessions of that this season. So, you know, time will tell. But from what I've seen, his footwork on defense is what impressed me the most because there's a lot of guys who can play defense, but their feet, they don't move their feet properly. Like he's very good at having like a good stance and not like taking unnecessary and inefficient steps. And I think someone you can see this with um, to contrast is Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan has the tools to be a good defender, but he's a little too like, loose with his feet sometimes Jordan Poole is another good example you'll see them get shifted and moved a lot Moses Moody is very very smart to me especially for his age with the defensive 
footwork and I think of like having Andre Iguodala Wiggins to learn from Draymond to learn from is like extremely exciting for me in that sense because I see the defensive potential the shooting is obvious but the defensive potential is to me what is going to be able to keep him on the court in the playoffs because if you can have Moses Moody out there who we know can shoot and could be a secondary playmaker and he's able to defend oh that's going to get disgusting and to me that's why I'm more so focusing on the defense and the rebounding more than the scoring because it doesn't matter if he can score if he can't get on the court and if you want to play in this Warriors offense you have to know how to defend so those are the things that I'm going to mainly be looking for and to close out Moses Moody just some areas of growth um from the film that I watched from last season his college I would like to see him improve the off the dribble threes that will take his game to a completely different level I saw a tiny bit of it in the preseason games but that is something I'm going to be looking for going into the season I would like to see him work on the floater game that is going to open up a completely different element of his offense kind of like how we saw Steph like when he was a float god back in the day it just it just completely opens up a different element of offense and allows him to really catch the defense off guard a little more and then the last thing is I just want to see an improvement in shot creation so there's some other notes I have and I'm going to add on to this but these are some of the things he said he'll focus on going into the season this is a quote that I typed down uh, from this summer he said mainly I'm thinking about coming off down screens pin ins dribble handoffs knocking down shots like that I want to become a better shooter stationary but also off movement so clearly this is after I came up with this list. So clearly Moody and the team are on the same page that I'm in in the off ball movement. I think that's just something that's naturally just going to like happen and get better over time. But that's it for Moses Moody. Super excited to see him. But now we can go to James Wiseman. Right. So I talked about him a little bit earlier, but literally for Wiseman, all I need from him is just to be healthy. <laughs> that's it we're moving on because you can go back to the to the other video or the other portion of the video to hear my more detailed uh things that i would like to see from wiseman but i think he's gonna be a beast wiseman revenge tour um but we can go on to jonathan kaminga who i think people are pretty familiar with now i'm not expecting too much from him i literally just think he'll get better at everything i mean he's only 20 uh i would like to see the the maturity increase which i think is just naturally going to happen like i i'm not reading too far into any of the the narratives that people have tried to say i was disappointed to see him look like he wasn't taking the games as seriously in the summer league and um i just don't want him to have that arrogance because look i believe in joku i believe in him so i want to see him on the court but look life teaches you sometimes sometimes you learn the hard way if you not hungry or if you take opportunity for granted somebody else will come and snatch your spot up so we will see i'm not making any prejudgments but in terms of on the court um i definitely saw a little potential with the defense last year um i do like the tenacity he has i like that that dog as we say look if he is on the court and no one's scoring he's gonna try to score the ball that's one thing it's hard very very hard to teach just like i was talking about wiggins before Kaming already has that he has that star power but what i would like to see from him is some better footwork in the post right nothing too crazy but i also need him to have some more go-to moves because i saw him 
when he wasn't able to just like power through someone or, or be quicker than them, he was kind of running out of moves. So we'll see uh, as that evolves this season. I, I'm almost certain they're like working on it. They're not going to just let him stay stagnant in that sense. But the defense, I would like to see a little more discipline, but also defense is one of those things where it's like you get reps and you're in the right system. You have good people around you to teach you. I just expect that to come along. So I'm really not expecting for anything, but in terms of like what he needs to do to stay on the court for the playoffs, I do think I need to see a little bit more improvement with the rebounds consistently. That to me is an area that I'm really focusing on for Kaminga. So I'll really be looking forward to seeing the growth on that aspect, but something I'm excited for with them, the potential for the playmaking. I saw a little glimmer, like a little smidget of this last season and in the playoffs but i see that the warriors are trying to bring that out of him so draymond you better watch out you better watch out that's all i'm saying because from what i was seeing it looked like they trying to you know get him ready to do that so off of kaminga i just expect him to get better i don't i'm not putting a ceiling on it I, like these dudes all just have to play a, a role like i think they're all overqualified for the roles they just need experience and reps so on to some of the newer guys we have Dante DiVincenzo oh my god I always forget about this guy so DiVincenzo we'll see what comes of him I mean I'm just expecting him to be a, a decent scorer to make some shots when we need him every now and then and it looks like he's gonna be in this like point guard type role a little bit that's gonna be interesting for the second units potentially having him in the second units and then allowing JP to play off ball maybe clay that could be very interesting i'm just saying because he's a dog on defense and i really think he's trying to prove something this year so it'll be interesting to see what we get from him um as for the two rookies ryan rollins i'm not sure too much sure about him i've watched a little film he's a little he he has something in him but he's gonna be in the g league we'll see i gotta see some more film of him we got patrick Baldwin jr super excited for him he's like a complete wild card um from what i understand he was a high ranked draft pick um and based on my conversations with some people that are kind of in the inner circles whenever he would go in the tournaments he wasn't showing up that much scoring wise and then he had that injury and then decided to sit out and then go to the draft so that's going to be really interesting seeing him because i i think he's it's really like a, a a blank slate like he has the tools he can clearly shoot what i'm going to be looking for from him is the defense what is that defense looking like? And he already knows. He already said. He asked coach what he, what he got to do to get minutes. He said, play defense. So I'm going to be looking for the rebounding and defense. I know these dudes can score. The offense does not impress me at this point. If you want to win championships, you got to play defense. So that's mainly what I'm paying attention to from these guys. So that wraps it up for the Warriors portion of this. Um, But yeah, so... You guys definitely look out for any breakdowns that I might do in the future. And then now I'm going to get into some of the other NBA and I might clip it and do another do another video on it. So you guys just uh, subscribe to the channel. Check out my Patreon. I will be doing breakdowns of different games going forward in this season. And yeah, so check it out. I'm going to get into the NBA now.